You are listening Ukraine 242. We bring you interview subjects from all walks of life in wartime in Ukraine. Thanks to all our listeners around the world. Here is our collaborator and your host, Anne Levin. Welcome to Ukraine 242, a weekly show featuring interviews with key people on the ground in Ukraine and experts in medicine, arts, and combat. I am your host, Anne Levine, reporting from WOMR for the Pacifica Radio Network. Our guest is Dr. Yakov Gradinar, an orthopedic surgeon from Vinohradiv in the Carpathian region of Ukraine. Dr. Gradinar now lives in Minnesota, where he is the prosthetic limb specialist of the Protez Foundation. The Protez Foundation provides free prosthetics for Ukrainian soldiers and civilians who lost limbs as a result of the war. The foundation covers all financial needs for its patients, including prosthetics, visa fees, lodging, and psychological help. Dr. Yakov Gradinar, welcome to Ukraine 242. Thank you for having me. You are the limb loss specialist of the Protez Foundation, which provides free prosthetics for those Ukrainians who lost limbs as a result of the war. You were an orthopedic surgeon in Ukraine, correct? Correct. 15 years, almost 16 years ago, I came to United States. And when I came to United States, I was like, you know what? I don't want to put my family through so much schooling again. And I decided to do something close to orthopedic surgery. And uh, I always admire prosthetics. And I decided to do And now seeing how much I can help Ukrainians in this war, it meant to be. So instead of sitting on a couch and just talk about the crazy time, We decided that we're going to put together a nonprofit working on prosthetic needs. So Yuri and I uh, opened a nonprofit and called it Protez, which means in Ukrainian prosthetics. And in our kitchen, we started to put lists together. Then we connected and shared it. And we started to have applications. And as of November, we have... 580 applications still out, and for right now, we help approximately 22 people. We bring them for three weeks, and we get them in, we get them measured, get them fitted, um, do adjustments, do another check, and then get them uh, finalized and send them back to Ukraine, already walking pretty strongly. That's incredible. How many people are you able to serve at a time? Normally, we serve between five, eight people at once. Now, you treat not just military. You also treat civilians, correct? Yes. And right now, uh, there is two kids here, three miles away from my house. Uh, one of them is named Artyom who is nine-year-old. 
he was actually with his dad and brother, older brother, who was 12. They were running from their house, which got into flames due to a rocket hit their house. So they were running to the shelter, and midway, another rocket hit behind them, which killed Artem's father and brother, and he lost his arm that was hanging to his father. It's a very hard story. It's very emotional seeing that, but I'm very happy that we can help them. We can support them in this difficult time of their life. So we invited them, these mom, and they're going to stay here, living in this country for two years. Another boy is Alex. He's from Mariupol, and a rocket hit his playground, and he lost his leg and was running back to his house. And he said, for some reason, my leg wasn't listening to me. I don't know what what happened to me. So definitely him and his mom went through a lot of shock. Actually, his mom had um, shells hit her left arm, which we are right now preparing her for surgery as well because she is losing her left arm sensation and some movements as well. So uh, another group of civilians we help, it's actually a couple from Bucha that um, very touchy story as well because the device exploded and the husband lost his hand. So the wife and friend neighbor jumped in a car and trying to get him to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, they got under fire. So literally husband said, stop, please go back to home because we're going to die all here. I, whatever happens to me, I will just walk to the hospital. So his wife and neighbor listened to him and started to go back. On the way back, they came under another fire, which neighbor was killed, and his wife actually was shot in both legs. So she came out of the car and was laying on the ground for nine hours, pretending that she was dead because she was hearing voices from uh, a nearby roof counting how many people are killed. So they actually were in uh, Italy initially, and then we invited them here to get uh, prosthetic here, and uh, he's the third civilian that we have, and 19 soldiers. But also we have helped a few other people as well, but it was minor surgery. Did the woman who was shot in both legs lose those legs? No. At night, some medics were going in darkness, found her, and brought her to nearby, like, little uh, clinic and put plaster uh, immobilization on both of the, her limbs, which saved her limbs. But actually, when they were here, one of bullet pieces from her leg was coming out. And here in local Hennepin Health Hospital, 
they did surgery to remove that bullet free of charge. In a place like Mariupol or Bucha, where there's not even telephone service, where, where there's nothing except danger, how does a child or any person find you? How, how do you end up being able to find them? Actually, volunteers got Alex, this particular kid from Mariupol, out of Mariupol and got them to Odessa. And they were filling out application forms. And actually, they were helping to get passports as well. I assume that patients that you've treated, that you've supplied with limbs, go back to Ukraine and then will need to get their follow-ups and their replacements in Ukraine. How easy or difficult is that right now? I would say that uh, Ukrainian prosthetic service getting better and better, and we are working to improve that. And we plan after New Year to go there and follow up these all amputees that were served by us. That way, we can help Ukraine in this difficult time. Because according to BBC, there is need of twelve thousand amputees who are registered and waiting for prosthetic. There is a lot of civilians that were injured and they are waiting to get help. And we as a global community, we need to step up and help. And, you know, whatever we can do to donate $5 or donate more or step up and do what we can to make it better. A soldier probably has more of an idea that that's a risk they're taking on. But these civilians... I would imagine, are so terrorized and need psychological help. Are you providing that also? Yes, we have psychologists who are coming and talking to them and helping them psychologically. I'm very, very happy how these people change over time and start to be more open. But yes, it's very, very difficult. Imagine that in our house, suddenly rocket hit. It's like you don't imagine what mess we will be. Same thing happened to them. And actually, I'm very happy that we can provide occupational therapy and psychological therapy to help these people, not just providing prosthetics or providing surgery. Can you give those of us who are fortunate to have all of our limbs an idea of what it's like to lose a limb? It's definitely hard to describe, but losing a limb is like losing a close friend or family member. You're losing something that you rely on. It. For example, if you lose a leg, you get up in the morning and you even forget that leg that you rely for 20, 30 years. It's not there for you to support when you get at night, in the middle of night, to head back home. Definitely, these people are going through a lot and trying to figure out how they're going to live and get back to normal. But at the same time, when people are being support from surrounding, when people feel that it's, nobody will give me my leg or my arm back, but definitely I will be a prosthetic that will be able to get me from point A to point B. It's huge support for them, and they are much happier, and they don't feel that they are burdened to their community. It's interesting when we have group coming in, first week they are more close, and when they start seeing that they can walk and get rid of crutches, suddenly they feel 
oh, I can do so much and Zero's life is changing. Incredible. I would imagine that there are some people who cannot really deal with limb loss, particularly multiple limbs. What happens to people such as those? Well, it's very, very tough because you lost your limb that worked for you for 20, 30 years. But you know, in comparison, people who got spinal cord injury or lost all three or even four limbs, and I always recommend to watch one of really awesome speakers who was born without any limbs. Nick Vujic, he has four kids and he's married to model. So when we are talking, we try to encourage people who severely lost limbs to look at brighter picture, to see what they can do versus what they cannot do. And that is awesome because they can be very, very active socially supporting others and showing that if I can do it, you can do it. And actually, we have one lady who went through 14 surgery and has very short limb above the knee. And within a few months, she lost fully her vision as well. So she comes to meet these soldiers and talk to them. And she inspires a lot. And she actually thinks these Ukrainian, especially soldiers, they are so tough. They come and start walking and they don't complain. And that's very encouraging for us because everybody's looking up to, to them and seeing what is going on with these tough men. And you understand Ukraine where they are right now and why Russia cannot take over because of these tough Ukrainians who are looking for opportunities to continue to be strong and step up. Incredible. When these Ukrainians come, I need to stop them so they don't walk too much and get pressure blisters. And I said, like, me and you are so tough, actually, saying, thank God I'm alive. And there's a lot of people who died in the field, and I'm very happy that I'm still alive. I walked today with a soldier where he was saying that he got injured, and two soldiers saved his life. And two days later, they were killed on the field. And he said, I couldn't even go to his funeral, and he saved my life. So always, you shouldn't be forgetting those who died on the field. So everything you are getting on comparison, because you could be dead. You are listening to Ukraine 242, an exploration of the events and context of the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine. I am Anne Levine from WOMR, Provincetown, Massachusetts, reporting for the Pacifica Network. Our guest is Dr. Yaakov Gradinat of the Protez Foundation. Thank you for joining us. Dr. Gradinar, what happens to your patients who are fortunate enough to find their way to Protez Foundation, get a prosthetic limb, and then have to return to Ukraine? Or possibly, in the case of certain cities and towns, they don't have a home to return to, or even in some cases, a family to return to. How are they managing to reintegrate after having been here? First of all, I'm very, very 
encouraged by these Ukrainians because they come and they are just tough. They are wanna walk. This couple from Bucha, I needed another week to finish their settings and they said, no, we need to come back to Bucha because I'm responsible for city work, cleaning streets and everything. I, I have to come back and like, I'm teacher, I need to go back because kids are waiting for me. It's just shocking how they are so patriotic how they are looking to go back and defend their country, especially soldiers. They're like, I feel guilty to sit around. I want to go back and work with my team. I'm shocked that some soldiers don't even go back home. They go directly to their army location where they left and right away jump in. So I will say I'm very encouraged by that and want to help them. But to answer for your question, when we saw that Artyom and Alex's mom don't have houses to go back to, we help them to find apartments. So they are right now sharing a two-bedroom apartment and going to school here and getting a normal life because there is nowhere to go back. It sounds like you've got a very long waiting list. Is there a way that you could expand what you're doing there to take care of more people at once? Yes, we are reached other clinics as well, and they can come as a team and take, for example, a week of vacation and work with us. Also, we are working with Ukrainian clinics and We are looking to build our own clinic in Ukraine as well to follow up with people there and maybe to even fit some of minor needs more there versus here, which will expedite everything. All of this is tremendously expensive. How are you paying for all of this? We are not charging for work that we do. So literally, our expenses are to pay for parts that we are buying. Also, we have airfare because some companies step up and donating air miles. And some companies step up and like, guys, we can give you good deals on tickets. Also, a lot of local community is covering a lot of costs to feed these soldiers. So all of this comes us donation from our local community. And overall, we are covering costs by simple donations from regular people and uh, receiving some help from other organizations. But what's surprising, people come and offer us. So this is all really touchy and support us in this uh, care that we are providing. Is there a large Ukrainian population in Minnesota? Yes, I actually always knew that we have a bunch of Ukrainians here in Minnesota. But when we announced that we're going to meet and greet first group of five soldiers, we had over 300 people show up at uh, airport. And that was very, very touching. I looked around and I said to Yuri, you know what? These people, dedicated people, we can do a lot. So definitely um, this community supporting us. I will say that we got now a house that dedicated directly to Ukrainians. 
and we can put eight people there. Literally this morning, we received a text message from one of a trucking company here who's giving us a minivan so soldiers can come in to clinic by themselves so we don't need to gather a bunch of uh, volunteers to get them to any appointments they have. Also, we have Americans stepping up and helping. They offer us space that uh, we can have our clinics there right now that we can serve up to 20 to 30 people at once to fully service these injured, wounded people. The foundation covers all financial needs for your patients including the prosthetics, visa fees, lodgings. How are you able to arrange these very complicated logistics for people coming from Ukraine? So definitely wasn't happening overnight. I'm working more on the medical side, and Yuri is working more on logistics side. So he was able to connect to the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense, and they actually were very, very helpful to arrange and get paperwork started from their side and get permission to cross the border to Poland. And I'm very thankful to, to American Department of Homeland Security. And so far, they were really, really accessible to us. American and Ukrainian community here in Minneapolis and Chicago and other communities were very, very helpful in stepping up to help us. Without all this chain together, we wouldn't be able to perform. Lots of Americans actually heard of us and supporting us financially. So together, we can look at this community that helping so many people. Dr. Gradinar, if our listeners would like to make donations to Protest Foundation or volunteer, how should they contact you? Our uh, website is protest, P-R-O-T-E-Z, foundation.com. We are a nonprofit 501c3 organization. So you can go there and look us up and do donations. P-R-O-T-E-Z, foundation.com. We are also on social media, uh, so we are on Facebook and on Instagram as well. Protest Foundation uh, and our project is called Aesthetics for Ukrainian. And they can go there and get, get registered and get all, and like we say, $5 or more, it all matters. And actually, encouragement was for us that initially when we opened our project and we started to share it more donations were coming from Ukraine. And that was very emotional for us because we saw that Ukrainians who were going through war and they are donating the most in the beginning shows us how desperate they are in need of prosthetic care. And um, that's how we can all help into these wounded people. Thank you for sharing all of this with us. It's incredibly moving and uplifting. And I'm very 
grateful to you for spending this time to speak to us. Thank you for covering. And uh, hopefully with all of our help from government and us civilians, we will get Ukraine better and the war will end. Kalina, performed by opera singers at the Zalgiris Arena. Our thanks to Dr. Yakov Gradinar. For more information and to donate to Protez, go to protezfoundation.com. 
protezfoundation.com. Editing by Ursula Rudenberg. Recording by Michael Levine. To see pictures of our guests and for more information, go to ukraine242.com. ukraine242.com. If you wish to send a message of encouragement to the Ukrainian people, call 510-883-3115 and record your message. It will be translated into Ukrainian and broadcast throughout Ukraine on Kraina FM's 24-station radio network, 510-883-3115, and record your message. This is Anne Levine. Until next week on Ukraine 242.